following is a presentation of financial crisis recovery. Foreclosure, short sales, bankruptcy, credit card debt, job loss, depreciating home values, money management. Peace of mind when it comes to your finances seems completely out of reach under current conditions, but there is a way to achieve it. For the next 60 minutes, you're going to find out how to cover your assets. Cover your assets. Now, here's nationally renowned speaker and expert on getting you on the path to financial strength, Todd Rooker. Hey, hey, welcome everybody. How are you doing this morning? Todd Rooker here to help you cover your assets. I have my youngest son in here with me today who's going to be a real estate mogul. That's Aaron. Let's push the talk button and say, hello, Aaron. Hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. So today we're going to jump off um, and just continue on uh, in our ongoing conversation about business, starting a business, running a business. A lot of people, you know, have, as I think I call them, would-be entrepreneurialism. Most of the time that's because they daydream about not having to do their job any longer because they're just so tired. <laughs> I don't know how much longer I can keep doing this. So they daydream about being their own boss and starting their own business. And, and uh, you know, as we talked about last week, uh, there are certain elements that you really want to focus on. So for all of those people, I want to give them some basic business insight. And, uh, you know, some of these particular components that we that we drill down on are things that if you're not a seasoned business person, you could hear them many, many times uh, and it would still be useful. And uh, that just means in different ways so that it resonates and everyone kind of gets the concept because, you know, the first several times you hear these concepts, they you might understand what's being said, but you don't fully appreciate the impact and the importance of each of them. Um, so for a lot of people who, who, who want to start a business, um, they have something that motivates them. And so this, this particular show, or at least, uh, the topic is geared towards people who want to start a business and are really most, you know, are, are passionate about a particular product or service. And that means that that's their motivation. And that is to me akin to when I go to college and I or I or I spend money on on education but do that because it it sounds fun or it sounds like a job that I would enjoy or it fits within my skill set but I never actually stop to look at what the income will be like as a result of the investment in time and obviously real money that I spend so you know you've heard me do shows on uh, selecting a profession based on how you monetize that, the education that's required. And so when you think about an education, and a lot of this that we're going to be talking about, how to, how to vet a business could certainly be applied to an education. And I probably need to say that more than once. Um, and so when you think about an education, to me, I think, okay, if I'm going to get a bachelor's degree or if I'm going to get a master's degree or even go on to get a, a PhD, then I've got time that I'm engaged in the pursuit of that education and that accreditation. 
Well, not only am I am I spending the money to get that, but I'm also losing the money that I would otherwise earn if I were engaged in in a job of any sort and and generating income. So it's not just the fifty or the hundred thousand dollars or the two hundred thousand dollars in in educational costs. It's also all those years, four, six, eight, twelve years that I may be making very little money or making no money. And so when I add that to the cost of the education, that's the decision that I'm making. I'm spending that amount of money. And at the end of that rainbow, there better be a justification for that business decision. And look, most people don't look at academics in that way at all, do they? So when I say monetizing an education, we're, we're just essentially monetizing an education in the way that you would vet a business decision. Is this business worth buying? Here's how much money I'm going to spend. Here's what I'm going to get out of it as a result of that investment. I'm saying, do we do the same thing with an education and does that make sense? So let's now go in to the business side. So Again, back to it, a lot of times people are drawn to a particular business or profession based on a product or service uh, and the, and one that they're passionate about. And, you know, so so for those who are engaged in offering professional services or trades and trade could be a plumber, it could be an electrician, it could be a mechanic and service offer would be a service as opposed to a tangible uh, uh uh, product where you you produce a product. So nevertheless, as I said a moment ago, I hope it's valuable to all, whether you're engaged in sales, whether you want to build a business. And, you know, a lot of people will tell you that they're in sales and so they're in business for themselves. And I would say that is somewhat true, but not really in the sense of owning a business. So some people are salespeople exclusively. And so those people may not provide the product service and they may not even provide the support after the sale. So, you know, last week when I talked about the front end delivery system being the most important pinnacle thing to think about when you start a business and, and I was trying to drive the point home that that doesn't mean organic sales because organic sales tend to happen if they happen. It's kind of like somebody who you do a great job for and the person thinks that that person is going to go out, the, the, the salesperson, the business owner thinks that person is going to go out and just about, you know, stand on the corner and promote the, the service that they just received from you. And boy, you're just going to get so many people who are going to come as a result of those organic referrals that they're going to give you. And I'm telling you that in most cases, that's not correct. In most cases. And so for most people who think about a business, they really do believe that if they put their shingle up on the corner or if they do a good job for a couple clients, then more clients are just going to roll in the door. And to them, that's the extent of how they think about how they're going to build their business. So to them, it's all about the product. It's all about the service and offering the best service at the lower pro- lowest price or the best product at the lower lowest price. And if you do that, then they will come. And I'm telling you, that's not accurate. There are rare instances where it is, and there's rare individuals who are extraordinary at having one person that they do business with and then cultivating more referrals. But that is generally an 
active referral process where literally, hey, I want you to know up front that I'm going to do an exceptional job for you. And when and if this process is over and I have a and I have actually delivered on that promise, I want you to know I'm going to sit down with you and ask you for the names of five people whom you also believe can benefit from my product or service offering. That's an active referral. Now, for a lot of people who hate salespeople, (laughs) they would detest the idea that someone would want to pin them down and do that. Look, if I like your stuff, maybe someday, when and if, I might give you referrals. Well, if you're living uh, and, and, and paying your bills on that income and it comes in in that organic way, there's no dependability of that. There's no scalability to that. And so that doesn't work for a business. You need to know that. So the difference between passive organic referrals and active referrals is a, is, is a chasm of difference between the two. It's huge. So, and, and here's the deal. Some people are good at it. Some people aren't. So the front end of the business is very much about having a scalable uh, delivery system for new clients. That means where if I go and visit this many people who are referral sources, I know I'm going to get this many this many new potential referral clients coming to me. If I teach a class and there's a hundred people who attend the class, I know that t- typically, statistically, based on experience or other people. I know other people have done these classes and typically out of every 100 people, they get 15 referrals or they get 15 people who call them. Well, that's perfect because that's a delivery system where if I put more energy on the front end to do those classes or to send out that direct mail or to make those phone calls or to call on those referral sources, I know that I'll get a predictable result at the other end. So if I put more in the front end, I'll get more out the back end and it is it is scalable. I do more. I get more. It's trackable. That's something that you have to have. So salespeople are people who do that. They're they're good at that. And maybe they even don't just bring people to the business, but they get people to sign on the dotted line. So that's a that's a the single most important component to a business. So some of you out there who are listening, you are those salespeople. And as I say, You know, you may do nothing but sales, but you don't actually produce anything. You don't service anything. You don't, you don't support anything. You make the sale and then you hand it off to the company or team and they take it from there. So your world is all about selling and basically increasing your personal income and enhancing your own lifestyle. You know, the American dream and all. So that's your whole world. Now that's problematic, you know, because the reality is that your perception of success is all about lifestyle. So, hey, man, you got a nice house in a nice neighborhood, good schools for your kids to attend, cars, cabin, toys, vacations, etc. And, uh, and, oh, yeah, don't forget to contribute to your 401k, just, you know, by happenstance. So focusing on sales for you is a no-brainer. Uh, but, you know, as we go farther, I hope that even for, for those people, and this is not predominantly geared towards that, I hope that there's still something in here as well. Either way, the currency of a so-called sales animal, somebody who's just really good, it's enormous. If you're good in sales, you know, you're, you're of an infinite value 
to companies because everybody's looking for extraordinary salespeople. So for those rare people who are that in sales, they're unique and their value uh, to a company or their company is tremendous, which is why they're generally compensated at at least the higher end of the spectrum. And sometimes some of the highest compensated people within a company. So that said, uh, those people uh, have are, are warped in one side, just like those that I just talked about who are fixated on the element in the business, which is the product and service. Hey, they're going to offer the service or they're going to offer a product better, better than everybody else. And that's a problem because they're warped in that area. I'm saying that if you're predominantly a salesperson, you're also warped because you only see the sales side of it. And although I've made the point that it's the most important, you have to have a lot more. And Incidentally, salespeople typically make terrible business owners and rarely build companies with large organizations. So really great salespeople statistically are great at selling, but they're not great at, you know, managing money, saving or building net worth. And that doesn't mean everybody. So remember, my point is, Often they're not, they're not that way, but certainly there's exceptions to every rule, no doubt about that. So for all of these salespeople's statistical shortcomings and, and character flaws, undoubtedly that they have, and, and that's again typical of salespeople, um, the single most important skill that they possess is in fact the most important value to the company, which is bringing people in the front door consistently. And for a business, new business is the oxygen of the business. It's, it's what the business absolutely needs, like the gasoline you put in the tank of the car. Without it, you know, we don't need to worry about anything else. So raw revenue without the ability to accomplish this, uh, consistently ongoing, adding that new revenue, as I called it, oxygen. If you can't do that, you don't need to worry about anything else in the business because it's, it is the single most important thing. So if you want to build a business and an organization, you may not personally need to be the best salesperson, but you need to at least be proficient and you definitely need to understand sales and salespeople and the concepts behind it. If you're the type of person who wants to start a business and you hate sales and you hate salespeople, you're going to have a natural aversion to the most important component of the business. And that is problematic. Now, people are able to overcome that sometimes because the product and service that they offer is so good. They're so passionate about it. They think so highly of it. To them, it doesn't seem like selling because they just believe everybody needs to be exposed to this or everybody needs this latest and greatest thing that they offer. So on some level, certainly they overcome that. But you you really do have to understand uh, sales. And if you want to build a business organization, you, you have to understand it. So at, you know, at, at one, at, at some point, you have to make a decision when you think about a business. We talked about people who just daydream about starting a business and you have to think about what it is that you, when you think about a business, what does that mean to you? Do you just want to be a one person show? You know, just, just one man or one woman show. And, and that's, that is to you, that's a business. And I'm not going to say that any of these things are wrong. I'm just simply saying they're different or two. 
do you want to build a team that essentially supports your personal efforts? So maybe somebody who's a real estate agent who is the rainmaker, who gets, who goes out, meets with clients, gets the listings, sells the properties, but they've, but they streamline the process. So all they're doing is selling and every other piece of that business, the paperwork, the management, the ongoing marketing and social media and everything else is all handled by other people. And those other people aren't for the most part salespeople. They are simply supporting the efforts of this one person. Is that what you envision as having a business yourself? Or number three, and this is the one that that we're really driving towards, do you want to build a large organization? Meaning, do you want to build a large company? Because that one, number three, the last one, is the only one that has value and can be financed and sold to someone else, at least for the most part. Rarely, if you're a one-man show and and one-woman show and you're just extraordinary, you walk away from the business, there's nothing to be sold. So the, the, the value of the business is the money that you make doing it, but when you stop doing it, there's nothing left. There is no value. So in that regard, you're not building anything. You're not building an asset. And you have to understand the critical differences between them. So most of this can be equated, uh, as I said earlier, to pursuing an education as well. You know, um, what are you going to school for? What are you going to do? And what's that going to look like down the road? So you could apply a lot of that um, to an education as well, I think. But so when you're considering a business, you want to look at the financials of a similar existing business and consider very carefully what are the margins of this business. And of course, margins in so much as talking about profit margins. Is it a profitable business? Now, I like to say often, and I think this is really worth mentioning, that the lower cost of entry within a business often determines its margins. So if it takes a PhD to do this work, if it takes a significant amount of education and accreditation and certification to do this, if it costs a lot of money, because there's equipment that needs to be purchased uh, and there's inventory that needs to be purchased. All of those things are barriers to entry, which means that process, that barrier, that, that educational cost in time and money, the cost of purchasing a, bu- a business at, as a result of its inventory, that is a vetting system that keeps the amateurs out of it. Amateurs ruin businesses. And I I like to use an analogy. If you have a service like, I don't know, any service that, 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 you know, you can go down to Home Depot and you can buy some tools for a few hundred bucks and you can jump into that business. Maybe you've got a lawn care service, right? So maybe in the lawn care service, you charge $35 an hour to mow other people's lawns, which may sound really good to the would-be entrepreneur because in their day job, they only make $25 an hour. So 35 bucks an hour is a big deal to them. Here's the problem with that. If you're successful at getting a lot of people who want you to mow their lawns at 35 bucks an hour, at some point you need to add a person. And while $35 an hour to you directly with no cost in between sounds good, what happens when you add a person? 
When you add a person, you've got to train them, which means you're going to be less productive than you otherwise would have been if you didn't have to train that person. That person is now going to need an hourly wage. And while you'll not be paying them $30 an hour, you're also going to have to pay half of the side of their, of their social security tax, their, and their FICA tax. So social security income tax, FICA tax, about 8%. You're also going to have to pay for their work comp. All those things added together, including the materials you have to buy for them, the, the additional lawnmowers, and all of a sudden, you're barely breaking even or you're not making very much money. Well, but you're making something and it's happening without you having to do the work, so that's scalable. Yeah, but here's the problem. The problem is, is that if this person who you're paying $20 an hour comes to you and says they want to earn $25 an hour, you know that if that person is paid $25 an hour, now based on all of those costs, there's no longer enough margin when charging the end consumer $35 an hour to be able to make any money. In fact, you could very well be losing money at that point. So you tell your employee, your one and only employee, that I can't afford to pay you $25 an hour as opposed to 15 or 20. And they look at you and say, screw you, I'll buy my own freaking lawnmower. And the next thing you know, your dumb, dumb employee who just wants to make more money for themselves goes to the same customers and consumers that you have been charging 35 bucks and tells those consumers, I'll only charge you $25, which is a raise to them and a decrease in cost to the consumer. The consumer now immediately comes to the conclusion that the value of the lawn mowing service is no longer $35 an hour, but rather $25 an hour. And the amateur ex-employee has just ruined the business. When the cost of entry is low in time and education, it is not a good business. If that business had cost you a million dollars and you had people like us, like my service around you, who would look at the margins and tell you to buy the business, give you the green light to go because the margins existed at 30%. If you spend a million dollars on that business, predominantly because the margins are that good, would you ever be dumb enough to go to your, your, your customers or your clients and cut your cost in half to save them money and ruin your own margins? And who else would ever be dumb enough to do that? So those margins will be protected because you have a more sophisticated business owner as a result of the cost of entry. Does that make sense, folks? So let's take a break. We'll be right back talking about the business of business. Great Waters Financial specializes in helping you retire comfortably. When it comes to seeking retirement guidance, you don't need a salesman, you need an ally. Great Waters Financial doesn't have a hidden agenda. Their professionals at Great Waters Financial focus on what matters, your financial peace. Start planning for your future now and make your money work for you. Great Waters Financial is the official financial planning service of Cover Your Assets. For more information, call 612-360-2127 or go to greatwatersfinancial.com. Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investment's full potential. At Home Rental Systems, we will take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums, and will attain the highest monthly rent possible. Go to HomeRentalSystems.com or call now 612-701-4375. 
Accounting and bookkeeping services are no longer just about record keeping. For decades, Arliss Cleveland has been passionate about helping individuals and businesses look at their taxes and financials in a big picture strategy that allows them to position for maximum profitability. Arliss Cleveland Limited is big enough to handle any size client, yet small enough to give you the direct personal attention you deserve. Their philosophy is that accounting and tax services are about more than just numbers on a page. It's all about building client relationships that are personal. Call 763-786-4626 for a free consultation. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP Smart Side Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate, 877-SMA-TODAY, or go online to sma2day.com. If you or anyone you know are in a financially challenged situation, listen. My name is Todd Rooker. For over 20 years, I've been helping people strategically plan for and deal with a financial crisis. My typical client may have previously had a substantial net worth and are now in fear of losing their personal home. My clients will often say, in the past, I was financially successful. However, at this point, I'm exhausting all of my financial resources trying to make my payments on time. I feel as though I'm simply delaying the inevitable by throwing good money after bad. So my questions are, Todd, do I just let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale, Dean and Lou, loan modification, credit counseling, or even bankruptcy? And then most importantly, how do I minimize the damage and rebuild my life when this disaster is over? This is my world, and I teach classes on those very topics. So if you or anyone you know is in this situation or you want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business. Handle the filings and and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. a fast machine. She kept her motor clean. Yeah. She was a fast machine. She kept her motor clean. She was the best damn woman that I ever seen. She had the sightless eyes telling me no lie. Knocking me out with those American thighs. Taking my Yeah. All right. Well, 
Welcome back, everybody. So, we are going to be talking a little more about business and the business of business. And so, I'm trying to give you guys, those of you who are, as I say, would-be entrepreneurs. I really believe that if you are a salaried person, if you own your own business, you should always consider, or, or you work for someone, forgive me, if you're an employee, maybe in the corporate world, uh, maybe working for a business regardless, you should always be considering a side business. One, for the tax benefits, two, for the additional income, and three, for the education it provides that will make you infinitely more valuable to to the people you work for now. So I really believe in that. But I'm trying to make a distinction between the type of business and the difference between somebody who just wants to have what what really equates to a job within a small business as compared with somebody who is really a legitimate business owner. Because there is a distinct difference. And that's why you find that second generation business owners tend to come into a business and look at it very differently than maybe their parents did uh, because they have a sense of growing the business and more fo- focused on the organization, the growth of the organization than they are in, I'm the best mechanic. I'm the best this. I'm the best that. I'm the best CPA. Uh, they are more focused on building an organization. And that's a very different proposition. So, If you look at a business purely as a financial decision, so imagine that if you're looking at a stock, you're not going to be the one who's going to be running the businesses that you invest in. You're simply looking at a stock as being which one offers the best rate of return with the least amount of risk, right? That's all you're looking at. Well, if you could look at a business that you would either own, build, or build, that's how you want to look at it. And that said, most people aren't capable of it because they can't separate what I do and what I'm good at and what I would be passionate about from the fact that it is simply a financial thing to them. And for a lot of people, it never will be because they're not capable of thinking in those terms. So if you are capable of thinking in those terms, uh, do not focus, meaning this is not the primary thing. Do not focus primarily on your skills or what you can offer the world. You know, the craft uh, of, of this thing or the trade or the profession. And while that those things are not unimportant, they are not the most important. So you don't want to focus on those things. And as I've just made the point, that's for most people, that's just... Isn't that, of course, what you focus on? No. Instead, focus on what the world wants. In other words, who gives a crap what you're good at? Who cares what you're good at? Who cares what you're passionate about? What we're more interested in is what does the world want, more importantly, or or what do they need? Maybe they don't know they need it, but they do need it, you believe. And most importantly of all, what are they willing to pay for? Okay, so forget about what you're good at. Forget about what you're passionate about. Forget about what's more in keeping with your skill set, which all those things I just mentioned, I'm making the point. It's not as though those things are unimportant. They are still important. But you start with the thing, which is what is the world interested? What, What does the world want? need and what are they willing to pay for that's what you're looking at first and how will you once you figure that out offer this and how will you make the most amount of money possible doing it 
So when you're vetting a business decision, a company, a business that you're going to start, that's what you start with. That's what, you know, look at somebody like Elon Musk. You know, he's not interested in starting a little one-man show out of his basement office. That's not, he He looks at big picture and he says, what does the world want? Now, maybe when he started, the world didn't know that they wanted electric cars. Maybe they're still not sure at this point that they, they want or need electric cars. But that's the premise he's operating on and he's building a big organization as a result. So that's a big, grandiose dream. And not all of us are going to think that big, obviously. But nevertheless, you get the point. Now, if you reject this line of thinking, because... You know, you're, you're, you're too warped with, uh, pursue your passion, honey. You know, that's what your parents told you. Pursue your passion. Okay. Cause, cause then and only then you'll be happy, which by the way, I got an answer to that too. I don't believe that. I believe that you can pursue your passion, but if the passion you pursue doesn't pay any money in so much as the world doesn't reward you for that skill or that service or that profession, then if you're going to go into that profession, first of all, you better know that. Right. So you don't figure that out after you spent six years in in college getting a master's degree only to figure out at the end of the road that, oh, by the way, this wonderful thing that you're passionate about and been pursuing. Yeah, the upside potential is 50 grand a year and that's it. Okay, well, if you figure that out at the end of the road, you really need to bang your head against the wall. Wake up. If you knew that from the start and you were passionate about it, then throughout the time you were gaining or, or, or growing in that education, you should have been thinking how you're going to do this product, service, or profession differently in a way that you can pursue your passion, but you could also make a lot of money doing it, which means you're going to do it in a non-traditional way. So if you reject what I've just said about, hey, just purely looking at what the world wants and how you can make the most money doing it, how you can meet that demand then let's look at it a little differently. Let's look at it this way uh, instead of, you know, a pure business person. So, so if you're not, if, if you're going to be more fulfilled with, with something that I enjoy in my passion, then at the very least, consider your skill set, your aptitudes within that context. In other words, if, if there are three to five things that you're good at that fit within your core competency, these three to five things uh, should also be products or services that you're passionate about. So you get to pursue your passion. You get to do that. But now consider of those things, which one will make you the most money for time spent, meaning leverage. Leverage means for the resources I bring to bear, which one generates the most income for the time spent. Then at the very least, if you reject the whole screw the passion thing and just focus on the money, if you say, oh, I'm not that way, well, then at least focus on the things you would be passionate about that you could do well. And then of those things, varied as they may be, then say which one of those offers the greatest amount of leverage. Let's take our next break. We'll be right back talking about the business of business. He can lift a bus straight over his head. He can fly around the world in seconds. And he has the power to regenerate entire limbs. Okay, so Jason Walgrave isn't actually a superhero. But once you visit his website to find out what he knows about real estate, you may start to think he's superhuman. That's because at JasonWalgrave.com, you'll find absolutely anything you need to know about real estate in the Twin Cities. Whether you're looking to buy or sell your home, check out JasonWalgrave.com, the number one place for all your real estate questions. 
If you are a current business owner or thinking about starting a business, what business structure is best for you? Sole proprietorship, corporation, or LLC? Most people pay a couple hundred dollars to the Secretary of State to start a business and off they go, as opposed to doing it right and contracting an attorney to help them. Why is this? Pretty simple. Funds are low and attorneys are expensive. Problem is, if you're structured improperly or do not manage the agenda and record the changes correctly, you could have destroyed nearly all legal protections your business would have otherwise been afforded. Don't just mindlessly start a business and put you and your family in legal jeopardy. If you have an existing business or would like to start your business right in the first place, an attorney from the law firm of Daniels and Keyboard will meet with you to determine the best business structure for your business, handle the filings, and will meet with you ongoing once a month for a year. After basic startup and filing fees, the cost to you is as little as $176 a month. Pretty awesome deal. Go to CYA21.com to get the details. That's CYA21. If you're in a financially challenged situation or want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. My name is Todd Rooker. When you want information on today's most pressing economic and financial pressures, who do you talk to? Their attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and real estate agents. Everyone has a different opinion, and these professionals do not always work well together. It's not enough to find an expert in one area. You need a comprehensive approach that addresses all of your concerns and enables you to create an overall plan. I have over 20 years' experience in this highly specialized field, and it is my job to work with all of the professionals previously mentioned and know much of what they know, allowing me to provide you with a cohesive and unbiased strategy that addresses everything related to your situation. I will help you to strategically plan for a financial crisis, minimize the damage, recover quickly, and most importantly, help ensure that you're never here again. You have a lot more options than you think, but don't waste time. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. That number again, 763-559-3800. What are the first three letters in the word SMART? SMA. And SMA Exteriors and Restoration has made SMART affordable since 1994. As an LP SmartSide Master Level Siding Installer, a GAF Master Elite Roofing Installer, and as an expert in installing windows made in Minnesota, made for Minnesota, you're guaranteed to make the SMART choice. Call today for your free estimate, 877-SMA-TODAY, or go online to sma2day.com. Oh, I'm hearing the smooth jazz again, and that means it's time to call in. 651-646-8255, 651-646-8255, and the hosts will answer your call live on the air. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. ACDC wannabes. <laughs> Not the same thing. Not the genuine article, I'm telling you, man. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So what do you think about what I'm saying, Aaron? You agree? Yes. All right. <laughs> That's my son. Yes, he knows what to say. It's like, yeah. like when He's my wife... Well-drained. Way to go. Yeah, it's like when my wife asked me a question. Yes, dear. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, the, the, the point that I'm trying to make in 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 vetting the decision is you have to look at the leverage i i'm not i'm not saying that your passion and your drive and your enthusiasm about 
a skill or a product is unimportant. But I'm saying that if you're going to use that as a vetting mechanism, let's use the financial component as an equally important vetting mechanism to make the decision in the direction that you go. Uh, as I said with the education, hey, look, man, I spent, I lost $30,000 a year that I would have made even even working at, at you know, a, a, a uh, uh, making $15 an hour for the whole four years I was going to school, $30,000 a year times four years. Holy crap. That's, that's a lot of money, right? That's, that's $120,000. And then my educational costs were 50,000 for the four year degree. So that's $170,000 that I essentially paid a lost opportunity money I would have otherwise earned and the cost of the education. So when I'm at the end of the road and I go and get my first job and I've po- and, and I pursue that career path over time was the was the money I spent worth the end result got to look at it that way and you got to look at a business that way as well so how much do you need to earn so if you're going to start a business and I'm I'm making the point for a lot of people that really all they want is some freedom to do the things that they want to do and want to make a little extra money. Now, the problem with that, as you, if any of you have listened to my multiple income streams show, which I think is like July 17th or July 14th, if you go to the podcast, uh, you will hear me say that your side, your side job, your consulting job, whatever it is you do on the side, in addition to your full-time job, If you're going to do that, then you don't use the extra money to enhance your lifestyle because then you don't build any net worth. Net worth are assets that you own that generate income or increase in value, right? So that's what you're looking for. So if you spend all the money to enhance your lifestyle, you're not going to go anywhere. You got a great life, but you're broke. That's why salespeople, extraordinary salespeople who believe that the reason that they make a lot of money is simply to to support a never-ending insatiable drive to have a better and better lifestyle. Better and better cars, bigger and bigger houses, more and more elaborate trips, nice clothes, toys, cabin, boat, and all of those things are not good investments. None of them are, all right? They're all bad investments. So when your income stops, you're done. And that's a problem. So you live on your day job and this is your side job. Now the question is, is it a real business or is it just a small business, which is very different. And if you're gonna go off and jump off the cliff and say, I'm gonna be self-employed and I'm not gonna have a day job, then the first question you gotta ask yourself is, how much do I need to earn? And believe me, you don't get to say, well, look, I'm making $50,000 a year. So as long as I can make $50,000 a year on my, on my, in my business, then I'm good. No, not true. Because your business has, is going to have most likely business expenses. And so to generate revenue at the front end, you then have to subtract all of the expenses that you have to pay to generate that income in the form of sales and then, and then provide service or product to the end consumer. And then when you're done paying those fees, then you end up with an altogether different number, which is now going to have to be taxed, which will now give you your take home pay. So when you sit down and you look at what does it cost to live and you include holiday spending, vacations, 
swimming and dance lessons for your kids. And I mean everything. And let's be let's be honest. Nobody does this when they put together their numbers because they don't want to see those numbers because when they do, they go, oh, my God, I never realized it took this much money just to have a reasonable life, not extravagant in any way. So they are smart enough not to do that. So when I when people put their numbers together, if you say, "Okay, look, it it costs for every dollar I earn in revenue, I have 50 percent of that going to expenses or I have 30 percent or whatever it is. Well, look, if you need to make ten thousand dollars a month in take home pay to support that, that means you need to generate twenty thousand dollars a month in sales to be able to after pay after you pay expenses, have ten thousand dollars left over. Right. Wrong, because now you have to pay taxes after that, and then you wind up with even less money. So you mean to tell me that after I pay taxes, net take-home pay, it might take me $30,000 in gross income to be able to generate $10,000 that I actually have to spend in my day-by-day budget. Yes, and also recognize that there will be some months in the year that will be really good and some months of the year that will be really bad, which means I have to learn how to manage my cash flow and save up the money in the good months so I can afford to pay my bills in the bad months. These are all the reasons people fail miserably in business. You need to know that right from the beginning. I don't mean you'll figure it out as you go. I mean, you need to know right from the beginning how much you have to make. So that is your focus. That is your fixated number that you realize if I don't make that that money, I can't afford to pay my bills. So before you jump into the water and you start your own business, you need to know what it takes you personally to live, how much revenue that business has to generate to be able to pay its expenses, then pay taxes to give you that take-home pay. It's probably the most important thing you can do. Sales tracking as well, the front end, is as important as financial forecasting, which is what I've just described. The other thing to remember is you can't hover in the middle. Remember that when when you offer a low-cost service, your entire business world is based on you being the lowest cost with the best product. That is a tough thing because the big boys are in that business, and that's not an easy thing to do. And remember that if you offer low cost, because you come at it as you're, and you're a consumer, you're cheap. You know, you're the coupon cutter. And so to you, everything's about price, getting the best price. So when you come at a business, you think the thing that's going to drive everything is offering a product at the lowest price. Well, guess what? That means you've got very little margins, and you have to have huge volume to be able to make any money. So if you're going to do that, that's fine, but then recognize that, realize that as, as, as opposed to a product or service where instead of having low cost, high volume, you have high cost, low volume, but you never hover in the middle. You are either on one end of that spectrum or the other. This is a rule. I either choose to go with low cost, high volume, thin margins. I need the high volume because the margins are thin to be able to make a considerable amount of money. Look, if I make 10% on $100,000, I'm making $10,000 a year. If I make 10% on a million dollars, I make $100,000 per year. So if it's a low cost, high volume, I have to have that high volume to be able to make a living. On the flip side, if I've got a business where I charge a significant amount of money because it's a, it's a tremendously valuable service, I'm going to most likely do less volume, but I'm going to make more money for time spent. There'll be more leverage. So be aware of that. A business built on products is generally easier to scale. 
Important to know that I can produce that product over and over and over again. And I can, if I can make a thousand, I can probably make a hundred thousand as opposed to a service. Uh, a business built on service is typically harder to scale, but the more generic the service, the easier it is to scale. Higher end professional services are much hot, harder to scale because you're dealing with extraordinarily talented and, and, uh, amazing people and building a business on extraordinary people, given that there's only so many of them makes that business by virtue harder to scale. Let's take another break. We'll be right back with the business of business here at Cover Your Assets. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. Home Rental Systems has been helping homeowners in the Twin Cities metro area realize their property investment's full potential. At Home Rental Systems, we will take away all the hassles from renting your home. We have a proven home rental system for renting and managing single-family homes, townhomes, and condominiums, and will attain the highest monthly rent possible. Go to HomeRentalSystems.com or call now, 612-701-4375. Do you have enough to retire? Do you even know how much you need to retire? Great Waters Financial specializes in helping people nearing retirement get ready for their next big challenge. Great Waters Financial can help you understand how much you'll need for a comfortable retirement, how long your money will last, and what you need to do now to make sure you can retire the way you want to. You've earned a great retirement. Let the team at Great Waters Financial help you make it happen. Four convenient offices in the Twin Cities. GreatWatersFinancial.com Hello, I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. 
Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. This has been a paid program. The views expressed are not necessarily those of the management or ownership of Score North, KSTP AM 1500. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. One, two... All right. Welcome back, everybody. The business of business. So you want to start your own business, huh? And you pretty much know everything, right? Because you did a lot of research on the Internet. Okay, well, whatever. Tell you what, I, I, I doubt that you know everything you need to know. And some of the things that you think are least important may undoubtedly prove to be the most important. Can I find that on YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but only if you're only if you become a premium member. Gotta subscribe. Gotta Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So hey, if your business is not scalable uh, and will not function in the same way without you and your expertise, your asset value will be very low. In other words, you don't really have an asset. Your business isn't worth anything. You walk away. You're the main person. This is not an asset. This is something that generates income, but it's not an asset. And so make a a distinction between a business that can be sold and has asset value and you're building equity and you can walk away and sell it for a million dollars versus one where you're great at that business, but you're never going to build an organization. It's completely dependent upon you and your efforts, which means it has virtually no asset value. Remember that. This is why I'm trying to tell you that a lot of people who make great incomes, three, four, five hundred thousand plus per year, but in their minds, that's just to enhance their lifestyle. I mean, if they make that kind of money, that means they have a nicer car, a nicer house, a nicer boat, and a better life. But the idea of doing anything for those people beyond just fully funding their retirement account or getting stock options for their company, it doesn't even occur to them. Why would I do that? My, the corporate world that I live in, where I, where, I, my, where I form my opinions, doesn't look at life that way. It's just all about having a good life. It's not about building a business. It's not about building asset value. And if it were not for the retirement account coming out of the check every month, they'd have no retirement account for most of them. So you got to realize that if you think that way and you carry that mentality to your new business, your business is never going to grow. It's not going to succeed. Now, having said that, we also have to realize that most people don't have discipline. And if you want to 
teach a person discipline, more likely you're wasting a lot of time. People are what they are. You're not going to change them. And you don't make a person become disciplined who is not. What you do is you create systems that fix that challenge. And so you have a greater challenge building your net worth if you have nothing but the income from the business. You must spend less in that case than you earn and invest in assets that can be scalable. So in other words, if the service that you offer, high-level service you charge $400 an hour for, I'm an attorney, I'm a this, I'm a that, you make a lot of money for time spent, but that business, because you, you're so extraordinary, can't be scaled with a hundred other people who will do the same thing and work for you. They'll prop, they'll work for you long enough to figure it out on their own and then they'll become your competition across the street. So all you do is train your own competition when you work with extraordinary people. That's an issue. So if you're going to be in a business like that where it's not scalable, then you have to spend less than you earn and then you take that extra money, that difference, and you stick it into investments that are scalable. That's how you have to build. Now, bear in mind, those who own businesses where they have tangible assets. So one of the one of the top goals of a business should be to finance the space it occupies. In other words, if I own a dental practice, if I own a real estate office, if I own whatever, I want to at some point finance and purchase the building that my business operates out of because that will be an off-handed investment that I will have to pay because look man I'm paying rent every month and so what do you think will there be a difference 30 years down the road when one person owns a building worth a million dollars and another person has simply been renting a space throughout their entire career one can sell that asset on top of the retirement account that they either did or didn't fund over that period of time and in addition to that they own the asset the building and they sell that and that adds and contributes to their asset value and moreover their net worth. Well, that didn't take a lot of discipline. They had to pay one way or the other. So in an offhanded way, they became more successful as a result of that necessity. Likewise, people who are in businesses that require inventory and equipment that must be purchased to function in that business, in that market, in that environment. Well, look, those business owners, they have no choice, do they? They have to buy that equipment and consequently, they have a value within that business that someone who owns a service business who doesn't have to do that, doesn't have. So it's a forced savings plan as compared with someone who just spends the money. The business of business. (laughs) I hope it was useful. Todd Rooker, cover your assets. Tune in every Saturday from 8 to 9. Hope you enjoyed the show. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.